0: Turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. As we continue our study this morning of the Gospel of John, uh, this is the the, uh, third section of chapter 4 we will be looking at this morning. Uh, We will consider verses 43 through 54. Uh, First, we will pray. Then we'll read the passage and we'll follow it up with an exposition of the text, making some observations and some applications along the way. So first, let us pray. Father God, your word is true. This morning, we long to take you at your word, to grow in faith in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. We are dependent upon you this morning Upon your enabling and empowering grace supplied to to us by you, our helper, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you have your way in us this morning. We plead with you, Father, as we claim and understand that we are hidden in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear us, speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Once again, Lord, help us take you at your word this morning. Take you at your word to obey it and to believe it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, verse 43 of the Gospel of John. uh, We'll begin reading there and we will go through uh, verse 54. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, they too had also gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee where he made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill This is the inspired, authoritative, life-changing Word of God for us this morning. God. So, as we dive in this morning, by way of reminder, I want to draw our attention back to the Apostle John's intention for writing this account of Jesus Christ as he was superintended by the power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, to believe that Jesus is the appointed and anointed one, to believe that Jesus is the rescue for sinners, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, this is the point of this book. This is the point of the signs. This is the point of the words that Christ himself spoke. This is the purpose of the Bible. This is the purpose of my preaching it this morning, is so that those who hear it would believe. That is the whole point, that you would believe. So I will pose us some questions to, to ponder as we go through this passage this morning. Is One is, what kind of relationship do you have with the Word made flesh, Jesus? What sort of relationship do you have with the Word of God? Do you have more than just pleasant feelings about the atoning death of Jesus? Does the atoning death of Jesus for your sin motivate you to obey all that Jesus commands from the Scriptures? See, reformers like Martin Luther discovered that the authority for faith and practice lies solely in the scriptures, sola scriptura in the Latin. In the Westminster Divines, they pointed this out more pointedly. They write this, Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary for salvation. So they're even more pointed, right, that it is the word of God, and us receiving God's word as it is the very word of God that gives us, that that brings us faith. That, it's, that is where our faith is grounded in. So since it be true that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ, the divines once again, right, how we are as Christians to approach the word of God. And we should approach the word of God this way, I believe, every Lord's Day, every time we open it. It is required of those, and especially on the Lord's Day because you're going to hear the word of God preached. It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate and confer of it. Hide it in their hearts, and here's the most important part of this whole thing, and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Let's look a little more closely at verses 43 through 45. So as it begins, after the two days, after the two days that he spent with the Samaritans, okay, after the two days he departed for Galilee, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So Jesus has left Samaria here as they had requested that he would stay with them, that they might hear more from him. The point of their asking him to stay is that he might, they might hear more from him, that he might speak to them some more, that he might impart to them some more truth, that they might hear from him some more. See, Jesus enjoyed favor there in Samaria from the despised and the wretched Samaritans. In Samaria, there was a woman of no reputation, and upon the words of Jesus, she was convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Many other Samaritans Upon the words of Christ said, in chapter 4, verse 42, For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So our scene opens here in Galilee, and John parenthetically tells us in verse 44 that there's going to be some upcoming increase in opposition and even outright hostility to Jesus he will soon face just opposition and outright hostility. And mainly for the words that he speaks. For the words that he speaks, he will face opposition in some cases. And some of it will be subtle. Some of it will be just blatantly hostile. He's coming to face this. And these despised Samaritans, what do they do though? They turn to Christ at his word while the historic covenant community either actively will oppose him or they will seem unable to go beyond a fascination with miracles and a fascination with politics. So I ask us this this morning. Church, are, are you as fascinated with the battle to overcome the residual sins in your own heart as you are with the battle to overcome the sins committed against us? Are you as engaged in the battle to overcome the sin in your own hearts as you are by speaking out against our corrupt political system? It is corrupt. I'm saying, I'm not saying you should not speak out against it. I'm just saying with the same fervor, with the same energy, are you applying that same energy to battling that place within us, that residual sin in our hearts? You know, the sin that, that Paul describes, you know, that I have the desire to do it, but I find out that I have not the ability to carry it out? Are we engaged in that war within uh, with as much energy, with as much time, with as much perusing on the internet as we are engaged in this battle to remove that residual sin in our lives? Are we actively seeking and working toward holiness Are we actively working towards that? Are you so engaged with what is wrong with the world that you neglect to take God at his word? Are your hopes pinned on this, a reformed government? Are our hopes so pinned on a reformed government that we forget that our hope is in the promises of God in Jesus Christ delivered to us in the scriptures? See, these Galileans, they welcomed Jesus, but they welcomed him as a miracle worker. They did not honor him as Messiah. They did not honor him as Savior of the world. The highest honor that we can give unto our God is this, to take him at his word. That is the highest way we can honor God as who he is, is to take him at his word. When we don't like it, when our circumstances don't affirm or confirm it. The highest honor we can pay to our God is to take him at his word. I don't know how this is going to work out, Lord, we might pray, but your word says this, so I'm going to obey that. If we take him at his word, that is the highest honor that we can give to our Lord. To believe the authority of Scripture, in other words, not in word only, but in deed, by doing what the word says. I wonder if you have noticed like I have a secret subtle opposition, a secret, subtle hostility toward the word of God. And I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about in the Christian community, a subtle opposition, a secret hostility toward what the Word of God says, even within the Christian community. For example, one of my neighbors who attends a local church said to me, I stopped attending this church because all they talk about is Bible, Bible, Bible. Church should be more than the Bible. In another instance, When giving a word of correction to to a brother from the scripture, the response was, I will believe what I believe until God whispers in my ear differently. Your growth in the things of the Lord is hindered often by your refusal to believe and do what the word reveals. To do and believe the words that make you uncomfortable. To believe and do uh, the word of God, even when it upsets how you feel about things. When the word is contrary to our feelings, we get in the way and hinder our own walk and our own growth in Jesus, don't we? This is how I feel, so I'm going to do this. I know the word of God says this, but this is how I feel. I'm comfortable doing this, but the word of God says this, and that makes me uncomfortable. And this, my friends, is a subtle opposition to the word of God, isn't it? It might even be, for some of us, an outright hostility to the Word of God. But because of the miraculous, nonetheless, Jesus was given audience in Galilee. He's given audience. So, verse 46, so when he, uh, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill, When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. The Apostle John here makes a point in verse 46 to connect this passage to the miracle at Cana, a subtle indication of why Jesus was welcome, that it was based upon the miraculous, revealing a hostility to his words and his authoritative office as Messiah. Messiah. In our text, we see an official in need of a miracle. He needs a miracle healing of his son. And upon hearing Jesus' plan to visit there, he pleads with Jesus to heal his son. The official is desperate. In other words, he might be saying to Jesus, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Jesus here rebukes the crowd of Jews at Capernaum. See, this you in in verse 48 is plural. So as he addresses the man, he addresses the crowd. He says in the plural, you, in verse 48, you people are hostile to my authority. And unless you see some sort of sign and wonder, your hearts remain hard-hearted toward the truth of my words, revealing myself concerning the Father and concerning his Messiah. From 1 Corinthians 1.22, it says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks demand wisdom or seek wisdom. I would ask us this, what do we subtly add, what do you subtly add to God's word to bring About personal faith and obedience. Are you looking for a miraculous sign that God is real and that God is active in your life? Or are you looking to the world and its system of knowledge to confirm what the scriptures tell you? Because when we look at the world, right, we see that it is in contrary to what the scriptures say. But are we looking, are we looking to obey? If it is affirmed by society, then we'll obey. If it's affirmed by these people, then we'll obey. In other words, do we believe the scriptures in so much as it is and how it confirms how life is in our time, but it reject it? And when it goes against societal norms and the wisdom of our age, do we receive it sometimes and then reject it when it seems to go against what's normal? When it seems to go against what's comfortable, when it seems to go against what's easy, do we then reject it? I would ask us to ask ourselves, because I prayed this and asked this of myself all week, where, and I'll say it in my own, as my own prayer, where, Jeff, are you hard-hearted towards the words of scripture? What areas of the scripture do you know to be true and you're a little hard-hearted towards that word. Where is that for you? The Visual said to him, Sir, come down be- before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The official pleads with Jesus to come to his son. Jesus authority, uh, authoritatively says, I don't need to come. Upon the authority as the son of God, at, upon the authority of the word made flesh, As I am the healer sent from the Father, go, your son will live. Upon his word, upon just the authority of his word, he gives this command that your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. That is the hinge point of our passage this morning. Responding to the word of, of the Lord. Upon the words of Christ, the official believed. This is where human responsibility comes into play when we think about the sovereign work of God in our salvation. See, the Word of God demands a response, doesn't it? The Word of God demands a response every single time it's read, every single time it's preached. The demand of God is this quite simply the Word that God speaks is to be believed. It is to be believed. It is, it's a command. Every time you hear the word preached and regard it as maybe inapplicable to you, aren't you then in subtle opposition to his word and to his Christ? Every time you hear the word of God preached or you read it for yourself and you respond with indifference to its demands, you demonstrate an outright hostility to the word of God. God's word, God's precepts, God's principles are to be believed. And it's not just through your confession. It is to be believed through obedience, through obedience that has feet. Through obedience that has feet. See, Jesus tells him here, your son will live and upon Christ's words, the man believed. We're going to see, but then he went. He believed and then he went and he walked in that truth, supposing that his son was indeed healed because Christ himself had spoken. See, we are to be, belie- we, to be believing, we are to be obedient. We are to have an obedience that has feet that we are to act upon God's words as a recipient. And if we don't act on God's words as one who has received them, I would ask us this, have we really believed it? You know, you hear the word of God and you might even be able to recite it back. The command, you might be able to say it back. You might even say, I believe that to be so. But if you don't want to walk obediently in it, did you really believe it? That becomes the, the question. In fact, I think that if we don't believe we are, and the reason why is because the word of God is so opposed to our hostile flesh. The word of God is rejected internally by us, by our flesh. Our flesh hears the word of God and says, no, I want what I want. I'm the center of the universe that I live in. I am the center of all things. the word of God says, no, you're not. You are not. Do what it says. Our bodies just reject it, right? Our sinful bodies, the sinful part of us, the leftover residual sin that is in our heart rejects it. It just rejects God's word. It is, in fact, hostile to it. Do you obey God's word without any outside influence or confirmation? Will you obey God's word when it cannot be confirmed outside of yourself? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sometimes you read the scriptures and you, you see God's plan and God's will and God's way and how God says that people are to live who faithfully, uh, those who have been born again even, and we look around and we go, the born-again's behavior do not confirm what I read in the Word. Do we reject then the Word of God as, as not true, not right, and not something to follow? Because our brothers and sisters don't confirm that by their actions, and society certainly doesn't? Upon the Word of God alone, do you believe? And by believing, do you demonstrate obedience to that? I know this is a heavy thing, and because it is, I want to pray right now. I want us to pray. Father God, we know that you are holy. We know that your word is truth. We confess, Lord, that we often act with indifference towards your word. Sometimes, Lord, we act according to the flesh. Sometimes, Lord, we are even hostile toward your word, hostile toward your Christ, we thank you, Father, though, for the atoning death of Jesus Christ and his faithful obedience to your word and to your will on our behalf. And Father, this morning we ask that you grant us repentance and that the Holy Spirit would uphold us and make us willing to obey your word. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Verse 51. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So what is the point of the miraculous healing of the official son. What is the point of God's favor and answer to even our own prayers? The miracle healing, the answer to our prayers, when God answers in the affirmative, the answer to our prayers, this miracle healing is to confirm the word of God in your heart. It is to confirm, it just confirms what it is that God said. That is the point of the miracle is to confirm, and it confirmed in this man's heart. He believed what God said, and the miracle itself confirmed it. God said, my son will live, and by God's word, it's true. My son lives. It confirms that God's word can be trusted. It confirms that in us. The word is confirmed to the official by people along the way, Before he ever reached to his his son, they said the fever has left him. A miracle has happened. Your son lives. But I want to ask us this: this is this is the tough part of this text that I wrestled with this week. Is will you take God at His word when your prayers are not answered? Will you believe God when the relative you prayed for is not healed? Will you take Him at His word then? Will you believe God when circumstances not only don't change, but actually they get a little worse? Will you believe God when your government continues to grow more and more corrupt every minute? Will you believe his words? Will you believe God when all of your earthly rights and freedoms have been stripped away? Will you believe his word? Will you trust in the word of God if it becomes illegal to do so? Will you trust in God's word when for no other reason than your confession of Jesus Christ you are hated, maligned, even incarcerated? Will you still trust and believe God's word when the things you pray for don't come to pass? Can you say what Job said? Naked I came from my mother's womb and and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you agree with the words of James in chapter one, verses two through four? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Will you trust in the promises of scripture when nothing in the world in your life confirms it or affirms it? Will you believe in the word of God? Let's look at, the second half of verse 53 and verse 54. And he himself believed and all his household. This is now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. See, the greater miracle, the greater miracle than the healing of the official's son was the miracle of faith given to the official to believe the words of Christ. Upon Jesus' words, the official went home to his son's deathbed. And as I look around this room today, I see a room with men and women who are the miracle workings of God. I see men and women who have been revived from the dead, who now have new life in Jesus Christ, who believe because the word of God spoken transformed their heart and made them respond to the command of God in repentance and faith. I see a room full of people who by faith in his excellent word, though wretched in their own flesh, in their own selves, are now counted righteous because of faith in Jesus atoning death for them. The miracle of the believing heart of the official brought salvation by faith. And the official testified to the word of Christ to his whole household. His whole household got saved. He believed, and so did his household. His household just saw that their son got well. They had no idea that Jesus had spoken to him, right? The official gets home, and what did he say? Jesus Christ, Jesus, said, Go. Your son will live. And he lived. You can believe his word. You can trust his word. He saved his whole household because he told them that you can trust the word of God. Because he trusted it and he imparted that to his family. He and his whole family get saved. That is the miracle of this passage. That is the miracle of every single one of us sitting in this room. Are you looking for a miracle? Are you looking for a miracle? Do you believe? Do you believe the word of God as the, as the sole authority in your life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, in fact, that the atoning death of Jesus Christ was sufficient for you for eternity to be in the presence of God the Father? Do you believe that? That is a miracle. That is a miracle. And that should cause all of us to do one thing, right? Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. We celebrated and remembered the miracle this morning when we took the communion together. When we took the Lord's Supper together, we remembered there's the miracle. This is a miracle. God saved a wretched sinner like me. God took me from death to life, from darkness to light. That is a miracle. I believe. I don't even know why I believe. Do you know why you believe? Other than that, that's what the word of God says. But, you know, when you think about, I believe this. Why do I believe this? I, I live around very intelligent people, but they don't believe it. It's not that they're not smart enough. And it's not that I'm particularly smart. So it can't be that, right? Right. I see people who are good, moral, upstanding, upright individuals, and they do not believe. People of great character. People whose character I admire. And they don't believe. And I go, yet I believe. Well, all that can be attributed to is praise God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God and the power of his Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God that the word of God is authoritative and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you to God that the word penetrates, goes past the bone and the marrow and it cuts down to the very soul of a human being and transforms him or her. Thanks be to God. It's all I can say to that. This is your testimony, brothers and sisters. There was one day when you did not believe the word of God and you woke up the next morning and you did. There was a day when you, were re- you could read it and you didn't believe it. And then the next day, you believed it. That is a miracle. That is a miracle working God. You believed it the next day. I, the one day I didn't believe, the next day I believe. God did a miraculous work in my heart and I then received the words concerning his Christ by faith. And here it is, that's your story, that's my story. Because you responded to that word in repentance and faith. Obedience, obedience, repentance, and faith. I preach this gospel to you this morning and every Sunday. I hope and pray that I do. My, my aim is to be faithful to that because it is the word of truth. I believe in the miracle working God to save souls. I believe in the miracle working God to save souls through the ordinary means of preaching his word. I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. I believe in the ordinary means of grace to grow us up as a church body in obedient faith. I believe in the means of grace of preaching the word of God as a means of grace. I believe in the prayers of the saints as a means of grace that will cause us to grow in faith. I believe in the communion with Christ in the Lord's Supper as a means of grace to cause us to cast out residual sin in our hearts and to trust in the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ to reaffirm that. I trust in the ordinary means of grace. So upon his word, I say this morning, I probably said all of that and I could have just said this. Really, I could have saved you guys some time. And just said this, upon his word, let us place our hope in God, obediently living according to that word. Amen.